Hello everybody, welcome to Health Hackers episode 32. I'm Gemma Evans, journalist and presenter in the UK. This is my series spotlighting pioneering figures in health and well-being. Today I'm in Dublin in Ireland with my guest Porig O'Moran. Porig is a mindfulness teacher and author. He's been practicing mindfulness for over 25 years, teaching it for more than 10 years. And for the next 30 minutes, we're going to be discussing what mindfulness is, how you can do it, and why you would want to do it. Porig, thank you for meeting me here. You're very welcome. Thank you, Jim. Mindfulness has become a bit of a buzzword, hasn't it? We all, we all keep hearing that we should be doing it, but what actually is it? Well, mindfulness is a really simple thing uh, because it involves moving part of it. 50% of mindfulness is moving your attention again and again from what's going on inside your head to what's going on in the world outside your head. And the other 50% is acceptance, cultivating an attitude of acceptance of things that we would ordinarily maybe struggle against. So uh, we spend a lot of our time I mean an awful lot of our time uh, inside our head and if you were to ask somebody to sit there and do nothing uh, what's going to happen they're, they're going to start remembering things or they're going to start going over something in the future something that's coming up they're going to go into their imagination and if you looked at the part of the brain that's involved in the generation of speech it will have become active so they're sitting there talking to themselves um, and that's often described as the default network or the default mode, this wandering around. So why then would you in mindfulness come out of that more often than into awareness of the present moment? And really it's because the wandering in our head, sometimes it brings us into very pleasant places, which is great, or we're anticipating something nice that's going to happen, which is great, it might even give us brilliant ideas. Um, but quite often it also brings us into uh, old resentments, old regrets you can do nothing about, um, exaggerated fears maybe of the future. So it can bring people into quite dark places and that is not helpful, especially when we get into a loop of negative thinking really, uh, which is called rumination. And rumination is associated with depression, it can be associated with excessive anger if you're ruminating on something that annoys you um, and it can be associated with excessive say fear of things in the future if you're ruminating over what might happen. So uh, when we come out of that and into the present moment we kind of break that chain of rumination uh, even if the present moment isn't really all that interesting it can still get us out of that rumination. One of the things that has put me off doing mindfulness yeah. is that it it just feels complicated do I do I have to sit down and sit cross-legged and feel like I'm meditating no you don't um, and the, the images are always of, of um, somebody sitting like as you've described this perfect posture that if most of the people who practice mindfulness if they adopted that posture would probably have to be helped up because you know it's for most of us it's impossible actually. We might think that there's some perfect version of us that could do it, but really, no. Um, so, the, the thing about that, one thing is this, you could, if you, if you want to, you can sit there and meditate for half an hour, let's say, on your breathing, let's say, for 20 minutes. 
keep bringing your attention back to it. That's a great way to be mindful. Set just you up. focusing on the breath. Yeah, okay. look at the feeling of your breath in your nose, let's say. Yeah. Now, here's the thing though. Most people, if they do that, they're going to give it up after a few days because it's maybe their home is chaotic or something in the morning, you know, or... Well, they're just really they, busy. And if it's 20, 30 busy. minutes yeah. a day for meditating, yeah. it's quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, and people will sometimes say, well, just get up 20 or 30 minutes earlier. Well, you know, when it comes down to it, it's quite easier, it's much easier to stay in bed for the 20 or 30 minutes. And the thing is this, that you can use short and simple, short and sweet methods of bringing yourself, of training yourself to come into the present moment more often in the course of your day. And that is what I always advocate. Let's say you do a mindfulness of breathing, uh, not for 20 minutes, but for three minutes. Well, that has brought you into the mindfulness zone, if you like. It has reminded you to be mindful. And if you do your mindfulness of breathing, then again, let's say at lunchtime for three minutes, that has brought you back into the zone and maybe in the evening. Um, if when you're waking up during the night, you do some mindful breathing instead of lying there worrying about things, um, all of this, this all helps you to be mindful. So it's a bit like if you, let's say if you wanted to be physically fit, but you don't or can't do a half an hour, let's say, of fitness stuff in the morning. But say you did a few minutes, and then at lunchtime you did a few minutes, then the afternoon you did a few minutes, and the evening you did a few minutes, you're going to be much more fit than you would otherwise be. Um, now, people might think you're a bit odd, you know, if you're doing all this <laughs> exercise throughout the day. The great thing about mindfulness is nobody knows you're doing it. You could be sitting there at your desk looking at your screen, but in reality, uh, spending a couple of minutes just focusing in on your breathing, everybody will think you're working, so it's okay. And that brings us nicely on to how you got into mindfulness, because you were a journalist working yes. in a newsroom. And tell us a story how you got into Well, it. I worked in a newsroom, I worked in the Irish Times in the centre of Dublin, and I did have this habit of getting up from my desk and purposefully striding out of the newsroom as if I was going to interview perhaps somebody terribly important or meet a contact. In reality, I tended to wander around bookshops quite a lot. And one day I wandered into uh, a bookshop in which I saw uh, a book about mindfulness, which was described as the heart of Buddhist meditation. Now, I'd never seen a book about mindfulness before. You just didn't see them then. It was the sort of late 1980s. And I was so intrigued, I just opened the book. and. It opened up the page which was describing the basic mindfulness practice, which it called bare, bare attention. Just, just noticing what you're doing without having a comment on it or an analysis of it, no comment or analysis. Noticing what you're doing or noticing what's going on around you. So in that case, I was standing there, I was, re I was looking at this book, I was reading uh, the page, that's what I was doing. There was no comment or analysis and it felt good. Uh, because obviously I was doing a lot of comment and analysis of myself. It felt very good and I just read on for a couple of pages and then I decided I'd better stop before somebody came and told me to stop reading books in their bookshop. And I bought the book and went back to work. But I was interested, and I find this interesting even still, that just reading that page and a half or two pages 
was enough for me to experience mindfulness and to like it. You know, I didn't have to do it for an hour. I didn't have to do it for six months. You know, it was just working there as as I as I began to do it. So I liked that aspect of it. And then I back to the newsroom. Decided I want to try some more mindfulness, so I went across the road to Trinity College, and. There was a game of cricket going on and I stood on the steps of the pavilion bar and watched this game of cricket. It was the afternoon, the sun was coming down over the field, you know, this romantic image that people have of games of cricket, you know, in idyllic settings. And I was being mindful and just observing it. Like most Irish people, I didn't really know what was going on in the game. Um, but maybe that helped because I was just able to observe it, you know, and enjoy looking at it and just enjoy being there. So that was one of my first experiences of mindfulness. So it was a very pleasant one. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to work, I found that I just liked just tuning into the sounds of the newsroom and all this. Um, and, you know, at the time of the evening when the pace always picked up, which at, at that time was around six, half six in the evening when decisions were made about what goes on the front page, what's taken off the front page people are under pressure to go and get their stories done and in and I just really realized I really liked just connecting in with that tuning into that with awareness and I enjoyed that you know then the news editor would ask where is your story and can you know that was supposed to be here 10 minutes ago and I would just break the not the trance but I would just uh, focus in on what I was doing but I did like it yeah I did like it um I just want to apologise for the drilling noise, if you can hear that. Uh, Perhaps this is an opportunity to be mindful. It is. It's an opportunity to practice acceptance (laughs) because the other half of mindfulness is acceptance. It might be the better half, actually. Really? Uh, Yeah, because I think that when you see... First of all, if if you come into the present moment, you are accepting that being in the present moment is better than being somewhere in your head. Even though the present moment can quite often be dull, it can quite often be, um, you know, sort of grey and dull sometimes. It can have maybe people drilling and noises, you know. Try finding a place with no noise. It's almost impossible now anyway. Um, And uh, so accepting it just makes it so much easier. Um, Imagine if we sat there saying, oh my God, somebody is drilling outside, Uh, this is terrible, Uh, what a pity we can't find a place where there's no drilling. Look at all the stress we're giving ourselves, I mean it's ridiculous. You know, it's drilling, it's tolerable, people may not even be able to hear it, Um, people might even be watching this in a setting or listening to this in a setting where there's lots of noise around them. Even noisier than the drilling going outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, no. Um, I'm not going to let it be a big deal. (laughs) I've got another question for you. Tell us about the benefits of mindfulness, because why would would we want to do it? I think we'd want to do it because we can get a greater sense of calm and positivity and because it can help us with issues that people have. So, we quite often, because we are, in many ways, our emotional system was designed or evolved keep us safe and to keep us alive, it's always looking out for things that are a threat to us. 
These can be physical threats or social threats, even a threat to your standing, you know, if you think that uh, other people might be going to think less of you, for instance. Um, if you had a difficult interview coming up with your boss, let's say, um, that's a social threat. There's no physical threat there. Um, if you think about something from the past uh, that's stressful, the emotional part of your brain gets stressed all over again, or something from the future, and it's all part of that defense system that we have that's always ready to go on the defensive. And uh, so it's once it thinks you're under any kind of stress or any kind of threat, it's sending the adrenaline through your system, it's sending the cortisol through your system, it's getting you ready for fight or flight, it's stressing you out in other words. Now, when you practice mindfulness, the part of your brain that you use to do that, which is the prefrontal cortex, which is part of what I call the new brain, the most recently evolved part of it, it is able to calm down the system. And when you practice mindfulness, it gets better at calming down the system. Equally, you know if you have, sometimes people have thoughts and phrases that they use to calm themselves down. Uh, there's a phrase people use maybe like, this too will pass, you know, things like that. It's using the same part of the brain, calming down the system. When you're being mindful, that part of the brain gets better at doing that. The channels between it and the emotional brain just work better. So you're tra you are training your brain yeah. to handle stress and emotion better. Yes, you are. So yes. that at some point when emotional things happen or things trigger to cause a stress response, you handle yeah. them better eventually. Exactly. Exactly, yes. Because you've, you've used it through the practice of mindfulness, you've been training yourself in things that don't matter all that much, in simple things, um, then when something comes along that is stressful, uh, you're able to to not go into all this, oh my God, and this is catastrophic and ter terrible, you're able to be more calm in the moment. And you, because you've been practicing it when you didn't need it, uh, you're now better able to do it when you do need it. Um, one of the things I researched about you yeah. Um, is that you uh, like to come up with ways for people to be mindful when they have very busy lives. Yes. You like to make it easy. That's my thing, yeah. That's your thing, keeping yeah. it simple. And one of your books actually was called Mindfulness on the Go. That's right. Can you give us um, a really simple, quick and easy kind of beginner's mindfulness exercise? Can you talk us through one? Yes, I will. Yes, okay. This is one that you could do in a minute, two minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you want, you can okay. lengthen it out. And it really is just about, in fact, this is so simple. I always say to people, this is so simple that if you're drinking a cup of coffee, you can go on drinking a cup of coffee. You'll just be doing, doing it mindfully, you know? Um, and you can get, another thing about mindfulness is you can do it with your eyes closed or your eyes open. It doesn't really matter. Um, so you notice things. This is an exercise in noticing things, beginning with noticing your breathing and what it feels like. So you're not having to breathe in a special way. You're just noticing that you are breathing. So we're not going to change our behavior. We're just no, going to No, just be aware it. of it. It's just awareness. It's okay. only awareness. So you're noticing that you are breathing. You're noticing what that feels like. And you try to keep your attention on that for a little while. So if we just pause, we're just going to pause just a few, just about four or five seconds. That's Right all. now? Yeah. Okay. Now, even in that little time, it could happen that your mind went away to something else. 
Um, My mind went to the curtains, which yes. viewers watching on YouTube can't see, but there are some curtains behind the camera. Yeah. And because I, I, I listened out for what I could hear, because you said yes. to be mindful of what's around yeah. you. Yeah. I couldn't hear the drilling anymore. Yeah. And then I suddenly noticed the curtains slightly moving in the wind. Yes. And I think I was zoned in on the curtains for about three seconds. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine because that's so was I the world outside your head. You were mindful, seconds. yeah. Yeah. Now, if you, um, but what, what can happen is that you go into, okay, I wonder where we'll have lunch and. Um, Oh, I've got that meeting later this afternoon that I don't really like having to have. And oh, you remember some where you were yesterday. Um, and you, you just go into these, you just wander into these little things. That can happen so quickly. Now, the thing is, with this, you don't give out to yourself. You just come back to your breathing. That's all. And then you do it maybe for another four or five seconds, you know. Uh, so that's the first thing. You're just coming into awareness of... of your breathing and what that feels like. And then just move on to awareness of your posture. So we're not talking here now about adopting a posture. It's awareness of the fact that you're sitting down or you're standing or you're walking or you're running or you're lying down. Just awareness of that and what it feels like. So you do that for a few moments, right? So if we let a few moments pass. Okay, so that was just a few moments. And then you move on to awareness of the feeling of your feet against the soles of your shoes. Or just the feeling of your feet if you're not wearing shoes. Sensations there. A few moments. And next you become aware of sounds. Uh, you could begin, if you like, from, for, with sounds from inside whatever space you're in right now. And moving on to sounds from whatever space, from outside whatever space you're in right now. And now just come back to your breathing simply f just for a few moments. And again, when your mind drifts, just bring it back. Okay, that's it. Now, you can do the. The reason why you do these different methods is, first of all, it provides um, kind of uh, one thing after another after another, which makes it easier to remember and easier to do. It provides like a scaffolding, you know. Um, secondly, if you are a person who doesn't like focusing in on their breathing, now this would be a minority of people, but still, you don't like focusing in on your breathing, it makes you a bit nervous, you can use one of these other things. It doesn't have to be your breathing, you know? You can use sounds or your posture or your feet against the soles of your shoes. Um, it could be looking at something, it could be looking at a picture, looking at a sunset, whatever. There's all sorts of ways of doing this. The other thing is, you could just take one of those things that we've just done. So, and if you really like it, you could just use that. You could just connect in with the awareness of your posture, even for a few minutes, and just keep coming back to it whenever your mind drifts. It's one of the oldest mindfulness practices. Uh, it goes back a couple of thousand years, actually. So, or it could be, if you're walking, it could be, you know, mindfulness of your walking. So it can be whichever works for you. Or just go through the sequence. 
doesn't matter if you get it wrong, you do it in the wrong order, you know. Um, the sequence, that, so number one? Was, number one was your breathing, what mm -hmm. that feels like. Uh, number two then was your posture, the sensation there. Number three was the feeling of your feet against the soles of your shoes. Number four was sounds inside and outside the space you're in. Could be sounds in your environment, sounds in the air, and then back to your breathing. So that's a little sequence that you can do very quickly, or you can do, you can take time over it if you want to. Um, when you say bring it back to the breath, yeah. <clears throat> what does that mean? Because I, does that mean that the vision in your mind's eye is of you breathing, or does it mean you're focusing on the sound of your breathing? or is it something else? To me, it is coming back to an awareness of the sensation of breathing. So to me, it would be the sensation of breathing in my nose. Or to somebody else, if you connect in with your breathing, you might notice it more in your tummy or your chest or your throat, you know? For me, it's my nose. So it's, to me, it's the sensation. Um, and equally, with the posture, it's the sensation of sitting down or walking or running, etc. Um, so it's, you're connecting it to a sense. The great thing about that question you asked is that people often talk, and I often talk, about coming back to the now or the moment. These are pretty hard to define. We all know what they mean, but ask us to define it and we're stuck. So coming back to what your senses bring you is a great way to be mindful. So that could be the sensation of your breath, the sensation of uh, sitting down, the sensation of your, 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 your feet, um, the sound of, uh, of um, whatever is happening here and out there. If you're already out there, it's whatever is happening. And um, it could be a scent, you know, of something. It could be the physical sensation, let's say, of working or of some activity that you're doing. So it's focusing on anything that is real that's not imagined in your head, yeah. like not a worry yes. or a fear or something you're exactly. thinking about. Exactly. I tried to do some mindful eating. Yeah. And I was taking, with every fork I was really trying to think of this food on this fork, trying to imagine it as I was eating it. But I had butterflies in my tummy at the same time because I was <laughs> yeah. thinking about yes. all the things I needed to do and, yeah. and get on with yeah. and worry about. Yeah. But I was really, and, and then I thought, oh, I'm doing this wrong because I'm being mindful of every mouthful I'm taking, but I've still got the butterflies, which yeah. is the back of my head going, oh, hurry yeah. up, you've got stuff to yeah. do. Yeah, yes, what are you doing? I mean, would that go with time? <laughs> Would I just keep practicing? Well, yes, yes, but there is another side to it as well. The yes part is that yes, it will go in time or it will go down in time. Um, I would say with mindful eating is to be aware just of the taste and texture of your food. I don't think it's about, to me it's not about eating really slowly. You know, I know people do it that way. Um, eating really slowly. Um, again, I think that if you can, I always try to make mindfulness a real life thing, you know. If you're just aware of the taste of your food, it's amazing how often we're not, really. Mm -hmm. The taste and texture of what you're eating, but eating at a normal pace, I think that's fine. Um, sometimes though people, Maybe people will identify with this, that sometimes you might have lunch. Sometimes you might say to yourself, oh, I must have lunch. And then you realise, actually, you did have lunch, but you weren't paying any attention to it at all. So it's, it's just paying attention to it. Um, 
So that's one thing, right? The second thing is about the butterflies in your tummy. First of all, I would say that with the butterflies in your tummy, what you do is you allow that feeling and you accept it as a physical feeling. So you, you experience that physical feeling. You try to stay out of the thoughts in your head uh, that accompany it. So if your thoughts are, oh, you know, it will be terrible if I don't get this piece of work done in time um, and I'm going to have to work really hard and I don't really know if they're going to like it um, and this is all creating this. Um, none of this changed the facts of the matter, you know. So what you can do is just go into the physical sensation because physical sensations fade in time and it's only the way that you're thinking about it that's keeping it going. Especially when people go into uh, thinking that in in um, in the counselling world it's called catastrophizing, you know, so that it will be terrible if, it will be awful, catastrophizing and awfulizing. Um, that just makes things worse. It's coming into the feeling. Now, when you come into that feeling, it's not comfortable. Your anxiety can actually feel painful, but it's still better than ramping it up in your head. That, by the way, makes the point that mindfulness isn't always comfortable, you know? Uh, it can be, and yet it has all those benefits, but it's not always comfortable. If I'm angry about something that I can't do anything about, if I just come into the physical sensation of anger, that is better than going over the story in my head, which will only make things worse. If I'm sad over a loss of some kind, if I am willing to experience the physical sensation of loss, I can experience that loss, and then it will, it will fade. It'll probably come back again in time, you know, but it will fade for now, and I can engage with my day. Whereas it's, it's the thoughts in your head, it's the reliving things in your head that so if you're feeling angry, sad difficult. or anxious, and you've yeah. got this physical sensation, yeah. can you just say to yourself, right, that's fine, accept it? You can say accept it, but one thing you're doing is you're being willing to feel the physical sensation. Um, let us imagine, this is a thing that happens with road rage sometimes. A person is, is angry about something when they're leaving the house. Maybe they've heard something on the news. You know, it could be that, that simple. Um, so they're angry. They get into the car, they keep mulling over this thing that they're angry about. And because the mind likes to wander, maybe it, it then thinks of something else that they're angry about. Then somebody comes and fails to move when a red light turns green. And the person who has been angry now goes ballistic, as they say, and they create a road rage incident. And it wasn't about that. But by, by going over these thoughts in their head, they built themselves up and up and up and up to where they felt angry. Um, if instead, when in getting into the car, the person just, they had, they allowed the physical sensation of anger and then put their, their attention on driving and starting the car, that physical sensation would have faded. It would have gone. It's the story in your head that does the harm. There's that drilling again. Yes. Um, but I'm accepting it. Okay, that's good. Can you give us some words of advice if somebody thinks they're just not getting the hang of it? They just can't do it, or they don't think they're doing it right? I think that um, the first thing is you would accept that feeling that you're not doing it right. You accept the feeling, and you continue to try to do it. 
but you accept the feeling because you're feeling that you're not doing it right. That could just be, that might be a feeling that you are used to having when doing things or when doing new things. It may not really be connected with the mindfulness at all. Um, you just accept the feeling and let it be. Now you don't let it go because letting feelings go is a very difficult thing to do. Um, you just let it be and you get on with what you're doing, which might be coming into awareness of your breathing. Or let's say if you could even come into awareness of sounds outside that you don't like. You know, you can, but the basic thing is you, you with that feeling, oh, I'm not doing this right, just let it be. Think of the simplest possible version of mindfulness, which is knowing what you're doing while you're doing it. And just work from that. And then see um, see if it feels, if it, see if gradually you get to that point when you say, yeah, I am doing this thing right. It is okay. I like it. It's very hard to do it the wrong way if you're coming into the present moment. You might also feel you're doing it the wrong way if you've been seduced by images in magazines and in the media showing people sitting on a desk meditating in a perfect lotus position or maybe sitting on a, a mountain in California. I presume they have mountains in California. My geography is letting yeah, me down. Yeah, there. there's some in Malibu, yeah. And, there's, uh, and the sun is setting, you know, and it's a wonderful sky and they're, 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 and they're doing their, their meditation, you know. Yeah. That might be why you think you're not doing it right. But listen, there's only so much room on those mountains. Most people are doing their mindfulness when they're walking, driving, sitting down, cooking, eating. That's how they're doing it. We are up on time, so we're going to have to let this interview be. Yes, well, there you are. We can accept that. We can accept that. <laughs> Porig, where can people find out more about you and read more about you? Well, my uh, website is, is podrigamoron.com, which, if, if you're not used to Irish-sounding names, could be difficult. But I ha also, I have uh, the, the name name mindfulnessonthego.com will take you there as well, mindfulnessonthego.com. And um, it's, I've got a number of books, and the book Mindfulness on the Go actually is my favorite one, and uh, it sort of is one that I would suggest to people. Okay, and you're on social media too? I'm on social media, I'm sort of at Portugal Moron, and I have a Facebook page as well on mindfulness, which, which probably people could find just by searching for me. Brilliant. Uh, yes, so I'm and in your all name sorts is, of places. Is Spelt Padre. It's P A D R A I G. You don't pronounce the D, basically, it's Porik. You can pronounce the D or not, as you wish, and then some moron. Yeah. But to find you, it would be Padre. P A D R A I G, yes. And then O apostrophe M O R A I N. Brilliant, thank you. And uh, Health Hackers viewers and listeners, I'd love it if you went to subscribe on YouTube or SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave, leave us a nice review if you fancy it, if you're in a good mood. Uh, good luck with the mindfulness.